Oh my goodness, you crazy son of a bitch. Do you have any idea what you've just done? You've just discovered the Marks and Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is the show that may or may not be an hour long based on your perception of time and how much I've got to say. So strap yourselves in and prepare your ears for the journey of a lifetime with your host of the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour, me, you idiot. Welcome, everybody, to the Martin Lestrap Show Podcast Hour. This is episode number 223, and my guest is the founder of Shepherd.com, Ben Fox. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. It is my absolute pleasure. I almost feel like I'm returning the, the favor a little bit since you had invited me recently to participate in, in shepherd.com. Oh, I think so. It was a great list. I liked it. <laughs> I appreciate that. So I, I actually have a few things I want to talk to you about, but but I figure shepherd.com is kind of probably the obvious place to start. So uh, uh, why don't we why don't we start by by you explaining to the listeners um, exactly what shepherd.com is? Yeah, so I am frustrated with how I find new books online. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like when I go to the big bookstores, um, they, they treat buying a book the same as buying toothpaste or a rock or something equally boring. <laughs> um, and, and then I kind of feel similar about Goodreads because Goodreads, I don't feel like they've really added any features that help with book discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't even do basic searches. And so I, I read a lot of books. I got frustrated and Shepherd is kind of the answer to that. I am trying to figure out how to make the search for a new book um, fun and enjoyable and part of the experience. Um, and I think when I go to my local bookstore and I roam around the shelves until something catches my eye, I mean, I think that is kind of the feeling I'm going for with Shepherd. Um, is how, how do I create that experience online where it's more of a more of a little bit of a pilgrimage to find your next book mm-hmm. um, and fun. Yeah, and it's it's a really novel idea too, because it's uh, so, so at shepherd.com, like you can you can go in there, you can search books or you can search authors, but the really cool concept of it is is it's it's essentially the articles that are that are written by authors, but and this this is a the the particular genius of it. It's not authors talking about their own books per se, which in my experience, authors love talking about their own books. <laughs> but it, it's actually authors talking about books that they love or bo- books that inspire them or authors that have inspired them, which which truly is, you know, that's uh, more times than not. That's that's more interesting, Cer- certainly more interesting yeah. to me, because um, because really, even on this podcast from uh, from the, the very beginning episodes of this podcast, this is what did I say? 223. So well over 200 episodes ago, uh, particularly when I talk to authors, one of the questions that I'm most interested in is what books do you like to read? What authors do you like? What inspires you? What what gets you excited? Yeah. So Shepard actually very much aligns with that because because you know finding out what what another author is interested in. On the one hand, uh, you know, as far as podcast goes, for me it helps tell me a lot about that author. But then as a reader, as as you've you know as as you've pinned down, um, it's just going to help readers discover books because you know if if you're like in my case, one of my very favorite authors is. Jasper Ford. So I, I would love to see a, a list of his books. You know, what, what is he reading? Because I, I love his, I love the way his brain works. I love the 
way he writes. I love his ideas. What are the things that he's reading that excites them? So I love that about shepherd.com. Thanks. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, um, I kind of, the idea was born because I don't know where I walked into a bookstore once and they had this process where they put, um, index cards. Um, the staff would put them on books they loved. Yeah. And I loved walking down the aisle and, and somebody was like, this is my favorite book. And it was short, it, you know, it would say something like, um, it's, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful descriptions or something like that. <laughs> so I wanted to try to try to pull that from authors because they all, you know, the vast majority love books and read a ton. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that provides, uh, you know, a little bit of a spark where somebody feels a connection for a book. Um, and then we've also, we do that because by giving the personal recommendation, the reader is going to build a little bit more of a connection with the author. And we, you know, we have, we do see this, it leads to people scrolling back up the page and looking at the book the author wrote, um, because it's, you know, it is a bit of a human connection. It's not a book description. It's why do, why do I love this book? And that kind of exposes who they are, can expose their expertise and explore, you know, it shows how their mind works, like you said, with Jasper. So yeah, we're trying to figure that out. No, absolutely, which is really, really smart. Now, uh, now, now that idea. Okay, so again, there's a few things I want to talk about. So I'm sort of organized. I'm kind of organizing my thoughts a little bit on the spot. But um, you, so so one of the things uh, that's I, I think that's cool about you know Shepherd.com is the you know the, the the user experience overall. Like it's it's a very it's a very um, intuitive user experience. So, so anybody can go to shepherd.com and would have very little trouble in figuring out how to navigate the website. But on your end, I'm curious, and, and this is absolutely out of my realm of expertise, but I am curious about it. What goes into the actual building of the site behind the scenes beyond just, you know, creating content? Yeah. Uh, so lots and lots of money. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have a fantastic developer. He uh, works on a contract basis on the project and behind the scenes, um, I decided from the, an early point to do a custom platform. So it actually piggybacks off, uh, Python Django. Um, so behind the scenes, we have an admin interface that doesn't look that different from WordPress, mm -hmm. except it's very custom. Um, so, you know, we have a place, we have a part-time editor who does amazing work and she logs into, you know, our little admin panel. And from there she can kind of manage everything. Um, it really isn't too different than the back end of WordPress. It's just, we wanted full control so that we could really do some advanced things and not be bogged down with, uh, something, you know, more people use off the shelf. Okay. No, that's very cool. And, and now, and now as far as stuff like that goes, like, like creating websites and, and say, coding or python or java or words that i've seen and kind of recognize but again mostly okay. out of, mostly out of my my realm of expertise is that something that that you're comfortable with or is it just like i've got i've, I've got this really cool idea so let me find let me find somebody who can who can bring this to life yeah, so I haven't I haven't done software development since uh, like QBasic, you know, or Turbo Pascal in high school, and I you know I took a few classes in college, but then well, went down a darker path toward marketing and, and other <laughs> stuff. So I'm very comfortable. I do a lot of the uh, well, me and the designer work kind of together to sketch out the UI UX because um, I really enjoy doing that, and then I make really detailed spec documents. Um, but then the developer takes those and implements them. Uh, but often, you know, I'm giving them mock-ups um, and so on. And the developer, Martin, is a pleasure to work with. So we communicate really well. So it's it's really nice. Um, but yeah, I'm 
I'm very detailed because it just saves a lot of time and money when he doesn't have many questions. And yeah. then, uh, there's usually a lot of questions for him on how to push back. Um, but I have a lot of experience, um, designing different things like this with different people. Mm-hmm. Um, although, uh, some of the past developers might say that disagree with <laughs> how detailed those specs are, but yeah. That's very cool. It's not cool. the easiest, but it's not the most impossible. That's very cool. And the way you're describing it too, it's, it's uh, for me, the, the way that my brain kind of connects with what you're talking about is it's, it's reminiscent of, uh, the, the process of independent publishing or at the very least the way that I, yeah. the way that I do it. Cause, cause I guess as far as indie publishing goes, there's a few different ways to do it. Like one way and one way to do it is if, if you're an author and you, and you want to publish independently, it, independent publishing or self-publishing they're, they're kind of intertwined. But if, if there's a, if there's a parceling, a parsing of difference, then I'll probably talk about that in just a second. But you know, one way is say you're an author, you've written a book and you, you know, you want to, you want to self-publish. And so, for example, you can go to, you can go to Amazon, you can say, go to KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, and it's sort of a one-stop shop. They can kind of do everything, you know, design a cover, design the interior, design the back cover, uh, design a, a e, e ebook or specifically a, a you know kindle so that'd be like a dot mobi file they could also design the print copy and it's a nice one-stop shop everything in one place and then you're good to go um the uh, but the way i do it which sounds uh, kind of similar to how you're doing shepherd.com is uh you know once i finish a book and i know that uh, i'm going to go the independent publishing route um i'll, I'll generally you know uh I'll, I'll, I'll find contractors. I'll, I'll, um, I'll find individual people with, uh, you know, very specific skill sets to do, you know, each little piece to put to, you know, to, to put the book together. So, so when I'm doing the cover, um, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for artists, I'm looking for designers. Um, and, 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 you know, in my experience, they don't even have to necessarily be book designers. I'm just looking for talented artists. So, mm-hmm. uh, so, so as an example, you know, in, in, you know, some of our previous emails um you were you were very complimentary of of uh, of the of the artwork on Dolph the unicorn oh, yeah, killer. I love that cover. <laughs> and so 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 that artist um he's he's not a he, he doesn't design book covers he's actually more of a comic book style artist and the way i found him is i i was just i was hanging out in my local uh comic book store and I, I was, you know, just, you know, looking at the comic comic books and the toys, and and they had a, this collection of posters, and they they were really cool. I really loved the artwork, and I was also in the in the mind space as I was getting ready to to publish this book. So I was already kind of thinking about, you know, the artwork and what it what it what what's it going to look like, and I was really I really enjoyed the style of, of this artwork. So I um, I bought some of the the artwork from the store, and then I um, then I tracked down the artist, and then you know reached out to him. And, you know, let him know that I was getting ready to publish this book. Is this anything that he even has any, any interest in helping, you know, with a book cover? Um, and luckily he was like, he'd never done a book cover, but, but like I said, I don't, you know, I, I don't need a book cover designer per se. I was just looking for a great artist who could capture this idea or, or in this case, the, the, the character of Dolph, the unicorn killer. And so, um, and so then he and I worked together from there and then separately from him, uh, I hire somebody else 
who then, you know, takes his artwork and then pro- you know, designs a proper book cover, which is, you know, the cover, the spine, the back cover around that. Um, they can also then you know, design the, uh, the the interior of the book. And then in, in, in some cases, uh, you know, I, I can uh, I'll hire an, an editor separately to do some copy editing or proofreading. But again, you know, th- what you were explaining for me was very reminiscent of that is like, I, I have the idea. I can see it. For the most part, I can kind of see it clearly, and, and if I can't see it clearly in terms of like, you know, what what are the colors of the cover? What's it going to look like? I know generally what I want it to look like. So then, I, what it, what I can do is I can find somebody who you know who does have the technical or artistic ability to bring that to life, and then you know, and then we can kind of go from there. You were talking about creating mockups. Um, and, and so in my case, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily, yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily have mockups, but I, but I have you know worked with designers where. I'll, I'll just have an idea and then I'll just kind of throw it their way of like, you know, d- does this, is this even possible? Is this something that you can do? And then if they can, beautiful, then they can, then they can do that. Or at the very least they can uh, come as close to, to the, uh, to, to the idea in my head. So like, so, so, so that process that I kind of very quickly summarize, does that sound similar to, to your process? Yeah, for sure. With the designer and developer, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, no, no, back to, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to get back to shepherd.com, but I'd love to hear you know, whatever yeah. thoughts you were getting into. Oh, I was just going to say like, um, there's definitely, you know, there's, there's some things that I have a really good handle on when it comes to development and there's some that I don't. So, I mean, that's, that's one nice thing about working with uh, Martin is I can, I can lob him something of here's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we can, might be able to do it this way, but I don't know if that's stupid. <laughs> um, and then he can, he can kind of tell me, well, yeah, we don't want to do it that way. Let's do it this way. Like I had a pretty ambitious, crazy idea that I didn't have experience in to use um, machine learning and something called a uh, natural language processing, okay. which we ended up using on the site because we um, analyze each book just to try to assign it uh, Wikipedia topics. And so I had this idea and I was able to like lob that out to Martin and throw some pieces together. And, and then he analyzes it, sees what we can actually do with the money we have and he puts it together. So yeah, it's, I think it's very similar to what you're describing with the back and forth and tapping expertise. Yeah, that's really cool. And something else you mentioned that has kind of popped this idea in my head is this. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, particularly, uh, really really specifically in the in the world of of self-publishing you know self-publishing or you know indie publishing well actually you know what i I, you know if 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 i'm parsing the language between self-publishing and indie publishing i don't don't think there's an exact definition but the way that i and some of my uh some of my contemporaries kind of think about it uh we think of self-publishing as you know kind of that one-stop shop like you know kdp uh publishing or um Oh goodness! There, I write this like I'm drawing a blank, but there's there's different there, there's different spots where you can just kind of go in and everything's kind of done in one place, uh, which is great. It's very convenient. And then and then we think of independent publishing a little more a little more nuanced as you know we're just independently putting everything together. I'm going to find the designers. I'm going to find the editor. I'm going to you know whatever, and I'm going to contract them myself and put it together myself. And in both cases, you know that the, the the author is still going to there's there's still kind of financing the book which is where a lot of the uh, sort of independent part of it comes from um but but here here's what i was thinking or, or here's the thought that you triggered in my head is with with self-publishing and independent publishing um one of the uh i, I was uh, 
So, so one of the problems that I see, I was, I was trying to decide if I could find a better word than problem, but I don't know if I can. Mm-hmm. One of the problems <laughs> that I, that I tend to see with, with self-published authors is there is a, um, there's a, there's a hesitance to either spend, spend money on their book or there's maybe like a self delusion that they can they can do it all themselves specifically that they can do things that aren't actually within their skill set um and and, yeah. the, and the most obvious example it's not the only example but i would say the most obvious example is book covers and i yeah. you know it's it's um it's kind of unfortunate but it's sort of it's sort of you know whatever goes with the territory i guess it's not difficult to figure out uh, if if a book was self-published, just based on the cover, you know, particularly if you know, if you could tell that they just really poor, poorly formatted a cover in Microsoft Word and you know got a fuzzy picture from Google and put a poorly designed text box over it or whatever, and it just yep, and and, yeah. and you could just tell that they did it themselves, and and you know on the one hand, because I don't want to sound too unempathetic. On the one hand, if if you truly are passionate about publishing your book and you truly don't have the means to to you know hire a professional designer, then you know far be it for me to to, to tell you not to publish your book. But you know it's it you know it, it, if you have the means, uh, it's and and you don't have the and you don't have the talent otherwise, you should absolutely just. Just, just make the investment because you're not throwing the money away. I mean, you're investing in yourself. You're, you're investing in this thing that, that you probably, uh, presumably, already put a lot of work into, which is your book. It's not easy to write a book, <clears throat> and so, yeah. so if you've already put the work into writing that book, yeah. just invest a little bit more in yourself, including a, you know, a couple of yeah. bucks because it's worth it. I look at so many book covers. Uh, I, I actually set up every book in the in the early days before I was able like kind of to hire some people to help with the data setup. Yeah. It's a longer story on kind of data, but I have looked at so many book covers. Um, and yeah, it's, there's, uh, there's a class of book covers that, <laughs> that almost nobody but friends and family will buy. Yeah, and it's true. Because they're that they're, they're too much of a warning. Um, it's getting, I think it is getting better. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I still see them occasionally. It's very true. And the thing, and you know, there, there's the old adage, don't judge a book by its cover. And you want that to be yeah. true, except, you know, the, <laughs> when, when you're talking about people browsing books and, you know, uh, making the decision to part with their own money on, on your book. Yeah, the, the the cover for better or for worse. You know, the, the the cover is a very big part of that. In some cases, it's it's the first part. You know, before they read the synopsis, you know, they're going to see the cover. And and you know, and I, I I've certainly done this. Uh, not I don't want to say I do it consciously, but I know I've done it. You know, like I might see a book cover, and just based on the cover, I'll just be like, oh, I'm not. I'm definitely not interested in that. So I won't even read the synopsis. Yeah. It might turn out that the synopsis is great. It might turn out beyond that that the story is great, that the writing is great, that I would actually love this book. And you know, again, for better or for worse, if I can't get past the cover, you know, I think a lot of readers are like this. That they're just going to have a hard time, you know, in- investing any time beyond that, let alone spending money on the book. So, so again, what, you know, what you're talking about with Shepard, which is you know, I've, you know, you had this crazy idea, and you thought it could work, 
but then the next thing you did is, is, you know, you found the the appropriate people with, with the appropriate skill set to help bring this idea to life. And, 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 and as you mentioned off the top, um, you, you invested some money into it, which is, you know, which is part of the, part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did a lot of user testing in the early days to make sure the idea was sound before I moved forward with kind of scaling up the project. So, mm-hmm. so in the early days when I, you know, I kind of sketched out everything, I made a mock-up uh, first just of a page uh, like of a, be- a book list. And then I, I did early testing where I emailed some of my favorite authors mm-hmm. um, just to see one, if they would respond and two, if they would take part and not counting all the, you know, I did do testing on friends and a few strangers with the mock-up of, you know, do you find this interesting? Trying to make sure that they found it interesting. And then once the authors agreed to take part and I was getting a pretty good response rate on just manual emails, mm-hmm. um, I was able to get some content in the system and then use that content to go test on readers and make sure it was resonating. And then also we made adjustments as we kind of did from there for length and some other things that we learned. But, uh, but yeah, I tried not to make uh, mistakes uh, in the early days before, yeah, puts before putting money, you know, really into the project. So, you know, Martin and the developer that kind of came um, a few months into the project after I felt like there was, there was something here and it was, it was working well. That's smart. That's really smart. And, and you, so you mentioned um, reaching out to authors and this was actually something that I was curious about and you may, you may have already touched on it, but I, I'd love to hear you expand on it more. Uh, I, I am curious um, one, how you generally tend to, to find authors to participate in shepherd.com because because right away anybody can go anybody can go on there right now and see that you already have a, a, a very impressive collection of authors both in terms of the quality of the authors but just just the sheer numbers of the of authors who've participated in shepherd.com so so how do you how do you generally find the authors and um uh and then how do you uh how do you generally reach out to them yeah. So in the early days, I have I have a blog, um, a personal blog, where I keep track of all the books I've read because I uh, started doing a competition a long time ago for trying to read a certain number of books each year. So I just basically, to start, I went through the books I loved each year uh-huh. and, you know, went and found the author's contact info manually. You know, luckily, that's usually pretty easy because you know, they want to be contacted. So they have a contact form or email. Mm-hmm. So I started with my favorite authors. And then uh, I asked my friends and family and asked their friends and family. Um, and that actually got great responses from people like, oh, this person, this person, it was a little messy, but we, we still <laughs> do that. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, I want to say it was about six months in, we kind of hit a point where we got the site launched in late April and we needed more authors than we knew. Cause at that point we are also starting to get author referrals, which helped. Mm-hmm. But basically at that point I went to Goodreads for topics and areas I like and other book sites and just wanted to see, you know, what other people are recommending. And then we found authors through those systems and contacted them. So kind of the heart of it was friends, family, mm-hmm. and author recommendations. And then we, we do use Goodreads and some other sources to find books people love. Yeah, no, that's smart. That's smart. That makes sense. Um, and what's the what's the general, um, I don't know, response rate? I, I don't know if you can quantify it with a number, yeah, but yeah. generally speaking, how... How often do you get responses, and 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 uh, how often are do, do any authors say no? Because for me, 
when you contacted me, I thought it sounded like a lot of fun. So it was an easy yes for me. Yeah. But uh, do, do you get uh, a good number of no's? Not too many. Um, let me think. Uh, I've got the numbers here somewhere and I'll pull them up. But uh, I've had some heartbreaking no's from some of my favorite authors. But oh. the, the templates also, the email I send has gotten better. Because in the early days, I mean, it was so customized, you know, for that author. Yeah. I've gotten much better at doing, you know, somewhere between of I want to appeal directly to the, you know, type of books they write or the genre or something yeah. um, versus total customization. Because um, sometimes I was spending 15 minutes, you know, writing out emails for each person, <laughs> which just wasn't going to work. Yeah. So uh, I think we get about a 30% response rate at this point, which okay. is very good. Um, but but I, a lot of that I did learn because a lot of authors thought it was scammy at first. And yeah. I really tried to explain, no, it really is free. You know, I, I didn't <laughs> realize how many emails authors got with all this junk. Um, so declines, I want to say it's very low. It might be, I don't know, it's got to be around 2% total of the sins we send. And usually it's, it's uh, often it's not that they don't like the project. It's that they are busy or, you know, you get the odd one where they retire and so they're not promoting their book anymore, but they love it and send it to some friends. But um, it's generally pretty rare. I've had, I've, I've had some, unfortunately, like three of my favorite authors, um, uh, they were a bit, bit grumpy old curmudgeons um, <laughs> because, of course, I spent a lot of time on them because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I would love to know what they're book recommendations would be yeah so i'm hoping that as the site gets further along i can circle back in a year and say hey look you know look how much traffic we're getting and i finally got you know genres are out so i, I have hopes to do that but um, it's been very good i mean we have pulitzer uh, nominated authors here i don't know if we have winners on here yet um we have you know fantastic authors on here i've been so happy with the response and and the shares i had to I had to actually stop buying books about six months ago and uh, turn off my account because I keep getting these lists and, and going through them. I'm like, oh, this is great. So it's, yeah. <laughs> Did that answer your question or response rate? I don't know if I. Oh, right oh no, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you even offered numbers, which I wasn't expecting. So that's, I, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because I, I do get the impression that uh, you're very organized with the with, with numbers and stats and, and keeping track of stuff like that, which is I, I I really wish I was better at that sort of thing. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not. I'll just sort of you know I, I I love creating the content, whether it's writing a book or uh, doing a podcast or doing a blog post, and then I'll put it out into the world. And then after that, I'm like I don't I don't know. I hope people yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm lucky on that front because uh, it, it'll take it takes me a half day to write my kind of monthly auth, auth, newsletter for authors, but like the stats and putting together all, all the operational stuff, I'm good at. <laughs> but yeah, I, I struggle on the writing part; it takes me forever. Oh sure, no, that's that that's understandable. So okay, so one of the cool again, Shepherd.com. I, I love the website, and, and I and I mean that genuinely. So so one of the the, the cool things is um, so so you get these authors. And you're asking them to create a, you know, create a list of some of their favorite books. Uh, so is five books, is that, is that the limit? Because that seems to be, in, from when I go through the site, it seems to be five books that every author seems to do. Yeah, that is the limit on that format. Yeah. Okay. And sometimes I should say we do less. We, in rare cases, do four if it's a really small niche. Like okay. we had somebody do something on material engineering, you know, or something like that. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. yeah. And that was actually kind of okay. So that that was kind of the question I was leading to. So so the very cool thing that I love is that um, you 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 put it in the in the author's hands to to create a topic. 
and and um and 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 you and you encourage us to to be as specific as we want to be as nuanced as we want to to be as niche as we want mm-hmm. and uh and then to, to create a list from that so um so again, just as an example for for uh, you know anybody who hasn't seen my particular list on shepherd.com I did the best dark fiction books that explore the hidden shadows of humanity and even that, I was like, I don't know, is this too specific? Is this title too long? <laughs> it, it made sense to me. I was like, I don't know. Um, and, and you guys were cool with it. But but then you also, you know, provided some examples from some of the authors who participated in the site. And I, and I kind of saw a lot of that, which, which I thought was really neat that some of them would really would have just like just really specific topics that, that very much related to, to some of the books they love. But then you look at the list and it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, these books. Either, either you recognize, yeah, these books do connect to this list, or I've never heard of this book, but I think I want to read it now because this this list kind of sounds neat. So, um, yeah. so my question is, uh, do, do you find yourself um, having uh, not edit, but do do you ever get maybe either a, a topic that for any reason, uh, e- even though you're giving the author carte blanche to come up with a topic do you ever get a topic that you're like mm-hmm. where you where you're like where you think either i don't know if that quite works or or you know that topic sounds interesting but i don't know that that matches the book that they're connecting it to and if so you know how, how do you address that yeah so we do you know i don't really talk about the editorial guidelines because they are pretty loose now and i don't feel like i need to warn about them because i feel like they're common sense like Obviously, uh, I have I have some deep motivation for starting this site. This site, besides just love of books, I want to make like a better global community and mm-hmm. society and some other things. So there's some obvious things like I don't I don't promote uh, religion, you know, in the sense of we want to proselytize. Right. If you want to talk about a religion books or religious topics, you aim it at your community. You don't go outside your community. So we have some rules there about labeling, and we're going to get even better about doing that. You know, we don't want white nationalism. We don't want lists that are about hate or recommendations that are about hate mm-hmm. uh, of any kind. So we're trying to be very careful there. Um, we don't spread conspiracy theories. Um, the site overall has some deeper designs to help promote science and the scientific process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm pretty careful with some topics around that. We also are careful about who's speaking on a subject. So obviously there's some, you know, topics like abortion that we want to make sure the person speaking to it um, has a right to speak to it and the right amount of responsibility. So Mm -hmm. a lot of things that we we don't really talk about those publicly because they don't come up and we try to interact with the authors in the early stages. Um, We've had, you know, we've had a couple bad experiences um, where people (laughs) try, we have had one experience where somebody tried to put something in that they told us totally different than what they submitted, you know, some minor things, but Overall, I mean, 99.9% of the time authors get it and, you know, they're coming from the right place. Um, but, yeah, we do do some, uh, some editorial and guidelines there. Okay. No, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That makes that makes sense. And honestly, I... Uh, I didn't... I, honestly, I didn't even think about that, but it, it makes sense from, from yeah. your end. But I didn't, it didn't, I didn't even consider, yeah, like possibly getting an author who, you know, uh, despite you know, your best intentions with Shepherd.com. Um, they, you know, they might very well have just some, you know, nefarious, <laughs> nefarious, uh, ideas that they 
want to get out into the world. And so, so yeah, I guess yeah, luckily, like, you know, luckily you, you guys are, are paying attention and it's not just like a site where you're just sort of blindly letting people write stuff and, you know, uh, putting it on the website, which I wouldn't expect you yeah. to, but I'm, I'm sure that there's websites that are kind of like that where, you know, they're, it's just, you know, they're, they're, they're maybe they're kind of big and they're just looking to collect content and they're not completely mm-hmm. aware of what people are necessarily uh, adding to the site. Well, and one of my big reasons for this site behind the scenes is I, I think, you know, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, um, they've kind of given way to this algorithm of trying to get our attention um, and sending us in, inside our own little bubble. Um, so like long term with the site, I want to do more to help people get exposed to things outside of their bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not really built into the site. We've done some very early stuff with um, very simple code that isn't exactly working anymore and it's about to get updated with the uh, related section. But we want people to get exposed to wider ideas. We don't want to, you know, like YouTube, if you go down, you know, one chain of videos, it just sends you deeper and deeper. And so you think the whole world looks like that. So, uh, you know, I I want to fight that trend, uh, this algorithmic bubbles that are developing. So um, it's something that I think about a lot and how to do it. Because, you know, that you can have somebody who comes in and recommends a book like um, Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, or something like mm-hmm. that. But if they're recommending it, if it's coming from the right place, if they're recommending it to understand how, you know, a democracy can fall and how, you know, an entire nation of people can be swayed by, you know, that type of rhetoric and hatred and so on, you know, that's a that's a good recommendation to read it. Whereas you're coming, you know, it's totally different if you have, uh, you saw some person coming from hate and, mm-hmm. and treating it as gospel or something crazy. So we're really careful on where it's coming from. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's very, very smart. Um, so, so part, well, I was gonna say part of the reason, a, a big part of the reason why, why you started shepherd.com and you mentioned this earlier is that you are, you're a book lover. You come to this as somebody mm-hmm. who already loves to read. So I'm curious, uh, what are, what are some of your favorite books who are some of your favorite authors? Yeah, uh, so I actually pulled up a few things because I have so many. But one of my all-time favorite is uh, uh, Christian Cameron. I uh, did uh, Killer of Men is one of my favorite. It's the first book in a series. It just hit me at just the right time. Um, it's a historic fiction. Uh, okay. That's one of my all-time favorites. Um, I'm trying to think of some others here. I like uh, the Chief of Police Bruno series. I love historical fiction, so I'm, I'm a lot of like Roman series like uh, Simon Scarrow, um, Eagles of the Empire. Um, uh, see, re- recently I read the Charlie Parker series. Okay. Um, it's kind of like a super dark private investigator with um, <laughs> some some supernatural in it. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've been reading lately. Let's see on my list. Um, oh, and then Neil Neil Asher. He's a science fiction author. I just read his uh, was it Cormac Cormac series. It's kind of an interesting take on AI in the future. Um, I read a lot, so I have a, yeah. a lot of favorite authors um yeah that's just some of them i guess no i, I love that no absolutely as bit, it's a uh, very eclectic but i love that so you've got you know like uh, historical fiction some sci-fi some fantasy some some uh some 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 dark uh what was a dark detective <laughs> uh fiction yeah yeah that yeah really dark yeah <laughs> no that's great i i love that you know n- n- not that somebody uh, isn't allowed to sort of find one genre and stick to it but uh, I, i'm i'm similar to you where I, my my tastes are a little eclectic. Um, uh, for me, I, I think I, I tend to be uh, drawn to. Um, I think I'd be. I, I'm generally tend to be drawn to like an author's voice, and so if they're they're writing and and their voice, 
And so if if I if I find myself connecting easily uh, with with the with the voice on the page and the words on the page, I can read just about anything. Um, it's, yeah. And certainly, there's genres that I that I really love. I I mean, I I well, in, in general, I love genre fiction, and I, I I said as much in my in my Shepherd article. But you know, like I love horror, I love sci-fi, I love fantasy. Um, uh, anything that if it if it there's if there's you know monsters or magic or demons or robots or most anything of that nature chances are you, you've got you've kind of got my attention if, if if you if if there's the if there's even a mention of somebody with a superpower okay you've got my attention for at least three pages now <laughs> let's see what you can do with it yeah. but beyond that itself you know i just love i love well i mean i was gonna say i love good writing i mean it's not that that's yeah. not very unique but i i have you know, I, I think with I, I think I think this is true with probably most any reader, whether they realize it or not. But over the over a reader's lifetime of reading books, they just kind of start to curate. Um, they or eh, not curate. They they just kind of develop a, a certain taste. They kind of figure out what it is they like again, whether it's conscious or not. And so whenever they they pick up a new book and they read a few pages, and if they're not really feeling connected, a, a lot of that. I think this tends to be with with the the writer's voice or their tone or how they're putting sentences together or whatever. Um, yeah. So again, to some of my favorite writers or some of my favorite books, are, tend to kind of go that way. And so I'll m- more than a genre. If, if I find one book um, that just man, I really really loved it, um, I'll start looking for other books by that author. Not not necessarily because I, I I want more of that genre. I just want more of that voice. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I fall in, I have to feel like I can see the world that they're writing about or connect with them in, in some mm-hmm. way, whatever you want to call that. But with science fiction and fantasy, it's all it's all often that I can just absorb the writing. Absolutely. Uh, because I remember, uh, I, like Lord of Rings, I can I I can't read it. I've tried multiple times, and it, the writing just doesn't gel for me for some reason with whatever is going on with my brain. Like if I read it, I, I feel like I'm reading an encyclopedia, <laughs> um, which, which, you know, is the type of thing that drives my brother crazy when he, when he hears that I, I can't read it. Uh, Cause I love fantasy. And yeah. It's just like, what is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, I totally, I, I need to connect to the character and the, and the world and like just absorb it. It's very, very true. And, and you know, like years ago when I was, when I was in college, um, it was actually it was one of my first couple of years in college, and I had the this. Uh, it was an English class. It was it was a literature class, uh, and the professor was uh, this very nice, uh, very old woman um, who's long since retired, if she's even alive anymore. And um, the, the only thing I remember from that class was just a lovely piece of advice that she gave us on the first day, which is, you know, if 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 you start reading a book. And you're not enjoying it right away. Put it down and move on because there's there's too many good books out there to waste your time on a book that you're not enjoying. And it was a simple piece of advice, but to this day that I remember it and it resonates with me because, it, like, like with me specifically, I I love to read, but I'm also a very slow, methodical reader. It, it takes me it, it takes me s- several weeks to get through a book, and that's if I'm reading quickly. And um. And so be, because I read slowly and methodically, uh, for me, I don't want to invest the time in a book if, if off the top of I'm not enjoying because I know I'm going to be hanging out with this book for a while. Um, so I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll usually give it a few sentences, just to, you know, maybe, maybe a paragraph. 
and it's not and it's not even me like trying to pass judgment on the author, but it's just genuinely. Let's just you know. Let's see if there's a love connection. Let's see if you and I have a have a, some chemistry here. And if and if that feels good, then I'll read a little bit more. Okay, well, that sounds good. So let let's see what else is going on with this. Which is you know like the like you know several years back when Amazon introduced the um, the look inside feature. Man, that was a godsend. Yeah, oh man, that's I, awesome. Yeah. I use that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I I remember. Uh, one of my favorite authors is uh, Peter F. Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a science fiction author. You know him? No, no, never heard of him. He he writes books that you know are are a thousand pages, and so they're <laughs> they're just deep. And I, I have the same same bit where I'll keep going even with the book. And I remember his his books are like you know they have fifteen strands, and you're like, what is going on? What is this world? Um, but something was clicking uh, yeah. with some of his, and then you get to the halfway point, and it's just like the best. <laughs> uh, book you can imagine but i remember several times being like why am i still reading this this is crazy i don't understand where it's going and then everything clicks um but yeah i i, I will admit that usually now i'm i, I do stop reading within a few chapters if yeah the, it's not clicking well it's rare it's like i don't know every 70 books i'll, I'll yeah one like that uh, yeah and you know it's funny too i think I mean, I can I can only speak for myself, but I'm certain this has got to be a common experience. Um, our our taste will certainly change and evolve over time. So when I was, uh, I I was, I think I was uh, maybe 19, maybe 18 or 19 when I read my first Stephen King book, um, which was oh, what was it called? Insomnia. I don't. It's not one of his more mm-hmm. famous books, but yeah. I, I, at this point, I think all of his books are bestsellers. But it's not necessarily a book that. That gets mentioned, I think, as far as you know, uh, well-known Stephen King books. But part of the reason that I picked it is because it was a big book. It was like seven or eight hundred pages, and I'd only recently gotten into reading books at all for pleasure. I think I was like eighteen. It was it was my first year in college yeah. when I started reading at all for 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 pleasure outside of you know being assigned something in school. And even if I was assigned something in school, I generally didn't read it. But not because I was being defined. I was just read like. <clears throat> I don't. I feel like I need to backtrack just like 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 two like two beats. But like as a kid, um, reading and writing it, it came very easy easy to me. So like I have a a natural, um, uh, I don't know, just just sort of a. Luckily, I have a very natural ability that the, my brain sort of um, understands and absorbs reading and writing and, and grammar and sentences. Mm-hmm. All that stuff came easily to me. Um, but actually, like say reading reading a book and and absorbing the information and, and and seeing a world whatever that part didn't come easily to me um partly and this is just me sort of diagnosing myself but but partly i'm a i'm, I'm very much a visual learner so so when i did read i loved comic books i loved graphic novels anything with pictures and um and i i always i always just kind of assumed that it just meant that maybe i just wasn't a great reader but in retrospect i just realized that that's just kind of my, my brain was more easily activated when I had images and colors and then all of a sudden I could sort of make sense of the words. So reading just a page of words and and really absorbing it and really turning it into a picture in my head, that part didn't immediately come naturally to me. But I, so I was in my first year of college, the first book I read front to back and, and really enjoyed and kind of got that that fulfilling reading experience was the the jungle by Upton Sinclair, which, oh, yeah. I, which is, you know, yeah. and, and so, so then, and it was like, I, I think I finished it in like three days. And I, I don't know if I finished a book in three days since, but it was like, it was just my first time, like really like plugging in and just feeling like I was, you know, 
the the words just disappeared. I was just watching this movie in my head, and it was like, okay, this this must be what reading is. Let me do more of this, right? So then I yeah. so then I went to the bookstore, and the only author I knew was Stephen King, and only because he was just you know famous. So I found some Stephen King books, and I wanted to test out this new you know ability that I had. I could I felt like one of the X Men, so I was like, let me see if I can do this again <laughs> on another book. So I wanted to find a yeah. big book, so I went to Stephen King Insomnia. Literally picked it purely on the size of the book. Um, I know it is a longer book, but the Barnes and Noble didn't have it in stock at that point. So I got insomnia and, um, and I read it and I enjoyed it. Um, but, but it, you know, it was a little, I don't want to say harder, but you know, I, I had to work a little bit to kind of get into it, but I read it. I enjoyed it. Um, and then years later, several years later, I still had it on my bookshelf and I picked it up. And, uh, at this point I'd read, you know, a lot of books and I'd really started to find my favorite authors and I'd really started to develop a taste for like the books that I enjoy uh, and the, and the writing that I enjoy. And so when I picked up Insomnia again and I read like the first page, I was like, wow, you know what, if, if I was looking for a book to read today, I, I, I wouldn't finish this book and it's not because, but I know that I enjoyed it, but it's just, you yeah. know, my, just my taste and my, you know, what I, what I enjoy about books has evolved so much that 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 one kind of you know even the jungle which i which i loved when i pick it up now i'm like wow how did i how did i get through this i know i enjoyed it i know it's i know it's a great book but it's so far removed from uh from from what i've now developed as my as my taste in books that i love to read that it's you know it's it's not it's not the first book i think of when i think about you know what i love or what i want to read yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm a little bit of a, a stats uh, addict, so uh, I actually every year, you know, I, I kind of keep track of what I'm reading, but I map it as uh, fun or serious books, just to look at my uh, <laughs> percentage over time, and I've, I've got this going back to 2010, um, <laughs> and so I can see, like, my, my last two years, obviously, with pandemic stuff, my fun ratio is 94, 93%, which is just, that's crazy compared to <laughs> I do, I do try to keep an eye on that because I do try to like get myself to read a book that's outside, or more than one book, outside my wheelhouse. I've been yeah. trying to do, um, you know, some with my wife, um, you know, um, some things like that. So, um, I, yeah, I, I'm try, I try to keep, a, you know, not let myself solely go down like space exploration, science <laughs> fiction, which I adore, you know, as a super easy reader, Roman historical fiction, it seems like uh, lately. But um, I was going to say last year, um, if you are wanting a book like that, my absolute favorite was uh, Barbarian Days. I mean, it won a Pulitzer, I'm pretty sure. Um, but okay. I, All right. it was it was one like that. It, and it's funny, I, uh, The Jungle is one that stuck with me yeah. so much. I still remember some of the scenes to this day. Absolutely. And, and, yeah, it motivated me to do a lot of things with my life to uh, make sure I did not end up in a factory <laughs> work setting where... They were taking my youth, and I ended up on a, a farm, a, a broken, bent over old man. I remember those scenes, and oh just my, that's so, me. You and I were affected yeah. by all the same stuff. That's that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, yeah. it's like if I was, you know, and, and it's not it's not even me throwing shade on the jungle, but like if I if I met like a young yeah. person and they wanted to get into reading, that's not the first book I would send them to. Even though for me that was that was the uh, that was, that was the, the the gatekeeper book. That was the one. That was the one that got me excited about. Okay, let me let me read more stuff that makes me sort of feel this way, or sort of connects me to you know a, a, a different world. Yeah. 
So, uh, uh, okay, so we'll, we'll wrap up uh, in, in a little bit because you've been very generous with your time, and I, so I don't want to keep you too long. But you have uh, you've referred to yourself as a serial entrepreneur, so Shepherd.com is certainly an example of that. But uh, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more on sort of what that what that means to you, and sort of, and, and then then specifically how that's manifested itself. You know exactly exactly what does uh, being a serial entrepreneur mean? Oh, I think it just means you you love starting new businesses, um, and you've done multiple. Um, you know, I think that that's really it. It's just <laughs> you know, I, I don't I don't want to work for somebody else, so I I try to you know find new projects and new approaches to things and create something around it that's going to be uh, financially sustainable. I guess <laughs> that's awesome. And so Shepherd.com is sort of the the most recent example of that. How many businesses have you started? That's a good question. Uh, have to look at my LinkedIn. Listen, that's uh, already impressive because I can tell you how many I've started, and it's not a big number. Okay. <laughs> it's a zero. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got I got fairly lucky at times, so I don't know. Maybe I mean you know projects kind of projects can merge into businesses, but maybe three or four businesses. That's awesome. De- decent size and fun. Yeah, yeah. I started young and got uh, got some good luck and some. Uh, Great support at early stages. So. That's really, really awesome. And so with, with Shepherd.com, then, as far as that goes, because, you know, beyond it being a cool website and beyond it being uh, something that, uh, again, you know, uh, readers and authors alike can can get a lot out of, uh, it, 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 would this be a business that, um, as it becomes more successful, would would you want this to become sort of like the the, the cornerstone of your professional life, or would you like to get it going uh, to where it's like you know cool and it can sustain itself and it's successful, and then maybe move on to something else, yeah. or would you like to just stick with this as far as you can take it? As far as I can take it, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not the type of entrepreneur who is starting something to sell it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I really had any businesses that I started that I was like, I'm eventually going to sell this. Um, now some of them have ended up that way, uh, because of complex situations, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I love books. This is more a passion project, um, that I'm kind of lucky enough that I can do at this stage. Um, so no, I, I do not have in any way plans to sell. This is something I hope to, you know, build the rest of my life. Um, I've got, you know, that's, that's all my focus, uh, love books so it's, a, it's an awesome thing to be working on every day yeah no that's that's really awesome yeah. uh, uh one last question and it's just it's really i'm just mm-hmm. well i was gonna say i'm just curious about it i've been curious about everything i've asked you but um a, a slightly slightly off topic but uh you and your family live in portugal and uh that is super fascinating to me um largely because my wife and i will often uh you know, uh, fantasize about moving to another country, and almost as soon as the the fantasy okay. takes place, we're like, "How do you, we don't even know how to do that?" So then, and then it kind of becomes pragmatic, and we're like, "I don't know, that's that's dumb. We can't do that. How do you even do that?" So then, so then I when I saw that you lived abroad, I was like, "That's really really neat." So I'm just kind of curious, as much as you're willing or care to talk about it, mm-hmm. kind of what prompted that? How difficult was it? And then just anything anything you'd like to share about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, so I got, I love to travel um, and I like doing it slower and for longer periods. Mm -hmm. And luckily just because I, I was, I was kind of the very early to the internet because of my uh, dad um, Mm -hmm. that I ended up working remotely since 
high school, actually. Oh, wow. Um, so I've been doing remote since 1999. So because of that, um, I've only worked in an office, I think, for a three-month period. That was kind of a weird one. So because <laughs> of that, I, I, I realized um, when I was younger, I could travel to these places um, while working. And then when I stopped working, I could explore new places, you know, take breaks and all that kind of stuff. So I was, I've just been pretty comfortable with travel um, because of that. Um, and I lived a lot of different places because I had that flexibility. So I've done a work abroad year in Australia. You know, I've spent, you know, a couple months in different countries all over, um, and done that kind of model. So by the time it got to the point that, um, I got married, um, you know, I was just super comfortable with it. And my wife is kind of similar and mm-hmm. she's traveled a lot and, um, she worked in Saudi Arabia for a few years and that kind of thing. Oh, so yeah, so when we, we kind of hit this point where we decided while my son was young, we would travel and go abroad and live in Europe because uh, we're dual citizens. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we did. And it wasn't it wasn't too hard for us. But I think that, you know, it's kind of hidden because we've been doing it so long and it just feels um, very normal. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's easier. It's both. It, I would say it's easier to do. Um, but then it's, it's harder to live in kind of that different environment, um, mm-hmm. it does take, you know, some adjustment and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just, we just threw some bags on a plane and, <laughs> and came over and now we've decided to stay uh, for longer because our initial plan was to do it for a couple of years. Um, and we really like it and we like the, the balance of life here a bit. So we decided to stay and my, my son's actually going to start school next year. So oh, that's great. Um, yeah. That's great, and and uh, and you, uh, pardon me if this is a dumb question, but um, yeah, but uh, do you speak Portuguese? No, I, I do not. Um, you know, <laughs> I would like to learn, but I, I we were not sure. You know, we kind of we landed in Europe in late 2019, uh-huh. so we had four months before uh, the pandemic hit, and we were actually living in Spain at the time. So we were in Spain for about a year, and then we moved to Portugal. So I was developing um, some basic Spanish skills, um, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Portugal. And I didn't, because of lockdown and other limits, I just didn't talk to anybody. And with starting a new business in English, it's just not going to happen. Um, <laughs> so no, I don't. My my wife is her her basic Portuguese skills are being pretty good, but she's she speaks pretty uh, good French, and that's that helps more than you would think. Oh, um, neat. No, it's it's not good. I can say, like, thank you, hello. I can understand some stuff, but not, <laughs> I'm not, not currently. And and how much, uh, just in terms of, uh, uh, again, like the pragma- pragmatics of uh, getting settled mm-hmm. into uh, a new country, just things like going out to the grocery store or going to a restaurant or going to the post office or just whatever, uh, how challenging is it to just to go about doing stuff like that? Um, if you don't speak the the local language. Yeah. And I, and I, just to to make it easier, we did hire uh, somebody who got all our paperwork and residency and driver's license part, Mm -hmm. um, because that, that is a lot of bureaucracy anywhere you live. So it was nice. We did offload that to somebody who helped us and we just had to fill out forms and go wait places and so on. So for day to day stuff though, it's very easy. I mean, you go to the grocery store, you know, it's just, you know, just picking things out. And when it comes time to pay, it's not like, you know, they're asking you, <laughs> sure. uh, you know, weird questions, you know, they're just kind of <laughs> telling you the price it's right there and you scan your card. Um, and as long, you know, you can, it's very easy, you know, you, you pick up greetings and thank you very quick. Um, you know, uh, so that part's pretty easy. 
Um, you know, the difficulty is like you can't really answer your phone if somebody's if somebody's calling you who you know doesn't doesn't know that your Portuguese is so so poor. Um, but no, day to day it's pretty easy. I mean, it, things take more time when you don't learn language, but you also get really, uh, really. It's it's nice you get humble and empathetic yeah. about things. You realize that there's a lot more to language than the words. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, if I go to the post office, you know, I might bring Google Translate, you know, to help me communicate with them. Uh -huh. uh, but generally, people are very helpful. Um, and I mean, Portugal and Spain, have, they have a lot of English speakers. You know, not as many as. Denmark or Germany or something like that, but you know, we when we go to a restaurant, even if we're trying to do some Portuguese, <laughs> people will switch to English really quick. Um, and we're in a small town where it's even less common. But you know, I'll, I'll go to get my hair cut at the barber, um, and uh, you know, his he doesn't, you know, the father doesn't speak English, but the son does, and his he probably speaks English better than I do. <laughs> um, so no, it's it's really not that hard. Um, but it, I think it. I think it depends too on personality. Like if you like talking to people um, and if that part of your day is important, because that's, that's something I didn't realize how important it was for my, my wife. Uh -huh. um, and it's not at all important for me. Like I'm very <laughs> introverted. Uh -huh. And so I'm very happy to just kind of be, be there with people and not be able to communicate them. But it is, it is harder for her. Um, and I think that's one reason she's definitely picked up um, basic aspects of the language so that, you know, she orders coffee fluently and smoothies and, and, can say little greetings and how they're doing, you know, she's picking that part up, but that's so. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, listen, Ben, this was uh, this was a genuinely uh, fascinating conversation. I really, I loved meeting you. I, I loved chatting with you. Um, I, I certainly hope this isn't the last time we talk because, because uh, I, I enjoyed this quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. I would love to talk again. This has been fairly, really fun. And uh, yeah, it's great. Wonderful. Now, listen, uh, before we wrap up for good, is there any, um, just, just, uh, it, uh, anything that you want to share with, with the listeners in terms of shepherd.com or if they want to contact you or, or maybe if they're just like an author who wants to participate, anything like that, um, uh, mm -hmm. you know, go ahead and share anything you like. Yeah. Just, just email me at Ben, uh, at shepherd.com. So B E N. Um, I'm happy to help. Um, and we have a authors section that kind of talks about what we do with authors at forauthors.shepherd.com. Um, and the only thing I'd mention is just, we have a ton of, you know, we're only, we're only 14 months old. So we have a ton of features coming this year and next already planned. Um, so we have like a, the new, you know, related section is coming next month. We have a improved UX for our bookshelves that will better show off the authors making the recommendation. Then we have, um, individual book pages coming after that, um, that'll kind of show people why they should read that book by pulling in the recommendations for that book. We have a books-like feature um, coming out after that that's using this human connections to show what books you should you might like if you like that one, um, and also connect people to cool list. And then uh, next year, oh, sorry, towards winter, we will start integrating genres into the site um, because a lot of people ask me, you know, why isn't there a science fiction or historical <laughs> fiction area? And there's not. We only have Wikipedia topics right now mm -hmm. as a kind of loose way to browse a site. So we are working like crazy on genres. It's a very big project. We were just able to license that data in April. 
Um, so that is the big focus for the um, last uh, you know quarter of the year is we will integrate those and get pages up. So I want to mention that because a lot of people go to the site and they're like, why, why can't I browse by a genre or something? So that's important bit. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Well, again, you know, Ben Fox, this was a, a fantastic conversation. I really love talking with you and, uh, and I hope we get to do it again sometime soon. Cool. Well, thank you, Martin. That was, it's been awesome. Well, there you have it. That was Ben Fox, the creator and founder of Shepherd.com. It's a fantastic website. I encourage all of you listening to, to go check out Shepherd.com. Uh, if you want to see the, the, the article, the specific article that I wrote for Shepherd.com where where I listed uh, five of my favorite books. Um, I've got a link for you, but um, <laughs> I've, I've got a link for you. Well, uh, like you, you, you can't click my voice, unfortunately, but wherever you are listening to this podcast, in the description of the episode, I'll have a link for you. Uh, but if that's too much trouble for you to, uh, to, to find the podcast description and click on the link, Go to shepherd.com and, uh, you know, again, I'll have, I'll, I'll have a link for Shepherd as well. But if, if you want to do it the hard way, I'm not going to stop you. Go to shepherd.com. That's a, I can't even spell all of a sudden. S H E P H E R D.com. Shepherd.com. And in the, you know, in, in the search, in the search bar, you could, I imagine you can just search my name, Martin Lestraps. But uh, the specific topic that I wrote about was the best dark fiction books that explore the hidden shadows of humanity. So go there. You can check out uh, check out my article, check out the, the book that I picked, and, uh, and and also just find out why I picked them. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun working with Ben uh, previous to this podcast, just just preparing the article and 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 working with Shepherd.com. So I'm really glad that I had an opportunity to have him on the show and talk to him and, and pick his brain and learn a little bit more about Shepard and where the idea came from and why he was inspired to do it. So really, really great guy. Uh, and I want to thank you guys for for listening as usual. It's it's been it's been a little while. I, I think uh, I, my goal. Some of you may remember my goal was to do at least one podcast episode every month in 2022. And we were doing well up through April, and then um, and then May came and went pretty quickly, and then uh, June came and went kind of quickly. And, and there were other reasons why I didn't why I didn't manage to get a podcast. Um, but you know what? I will. I'll talk to you about that on the next episode. I will. I will give you all of my excuses as to why I uh, why it's been a couple of months since my last episode in the next episode. Um, but for the next episode, what, what I already know that I want to do for you is I want to do a deep dive into my shepherd.com article. So, uh, so on episode 224, whenever that comes out, uh, probably sooner rather than later, um, I'm going to talk specifically about the article I wrote for shepherd.com, the best dark fiction books that explore the hidden shadows of humanity. And I'm going to go a little bit into the process of how I created that article and how I how I curated the collection of books that I ultimately put into that article. So 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 there's that. There's a little 
uh, there's a little teaser to get you excited for, for the next episode. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this thing up. I want to thank all of you for listening. And until next time, I will see you on the other side.